What I'd like to talk to you about this morning is salvation and the gospel. Does anybody ever read the Babylon Bee? It's a satire site, like The Onion, except about the church. And some of it's kind of snarky, but some of it's really funny. I suppose depending on where you stand with respect to the theology of the ones that are being poked at. But there was one talking about a pastor who had been pastoring now for 20 years and had never spoken the gospel. And he figured he had another 10 years left and he wasn't going to do it then either. So I figured I hadn't better fall into that category. So let's talk about salvation and freedom and the Savior and all that kind of stuff. In order to do that, we have to go back to the garden. Everything starts in the garden. Nothing that happened today that didn't start in the garden. Most of you have been here for quite a while, and you've been through that story a number of times. God puts the man and the woman in the garden, and he puts two trees there. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he lets them make a choice. And then based on that choice, everything flows from there. Now, I am going to treat that as a metaphor. I have no problem whatsoever that it actually happened. I am not saying it didn't happen, but it is also a metaphor. So please don't assume that I am making metaphor of scripture where it's not appropriate. As I say, I'm perfectly happy with the fact that it actually happened. And what we have is a conversation. And there's a conversation between a snake and the woman. One of the books that I gave elders was Rabbi Foreman's book. And the question that he asked, which I really thought was kind of cool, is what's in it for the snake? In other words, why is the snake engaging in this conversation at all? Leave aside the fact that we have a talking snake. I mean, that's bad enough. But given that we have a talking snake, why does he care? What's going on there? What we're seeing is the fundamental difference between being human and being an animal. Now, both humans and animals obey the Word of God. So, for example, a dog obeys the Word of God. God designed in the dog certain actions and responses, and the dog just does them. They were put there by God, and the dog moves along and does whatever he does. And in fact, in order to get the dog to do something that isn't in his nature, a human has to take him out of his nature and train him to do something else. So something external has to work on the dog to get it to do something different than what God wired into it at the beginning. Same with horses. Those of you who are horse people, you know that a horse starts off and just a horse does whatever God designed him to do. And in order to get him to do something different, a human has to interact with him and train him and so forth. So what we have is a snake who is a metaphor for an animal. Now, again, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it didn't actually happen, but you have a snake that's a metaphor for an animal, and what the animal is saying is, God wired you to find that fruit attractive. So by eating that fruit, what you are doing is what God wired you to do. You are obeying God. So that's the serpent's argument. The fruit's in front of you. It really looks good. You want it. God made you so that you desire that fruit. So by eating it then, you're obeying God's word. Because God made you that way. By the way, isn't that the argument of every homosexual in the world? God made me that way. True thing. They did. I agree with that. So the question then becomes... 
are you going to rise above your animal nature and do what God says to do or are you going to follow your animal nature and do what comes naturally that's the question that's being asked in the garden and it's specifically couched in terms of life and the knowledge of good and evil so by taking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil what happens is we become our own authority in other words we are now able to determine good and evil and the question is are we going to exercise that ability to determine good and evil or are we going to follow external authority which is the word of God and at a lower or higher level depending on what your orientation is are you going to follow your human nature or are you going to follow your animal nature are you going to do what comes naturally or are you going to do what God says to do that's the question that's asked in the garden so the question is then are you going to exercise self-discipline and rise above your animal nature or are you not going to exercise self-discipline and are you just going to do what comes naturally and by the way as you read the news you see there's a whole bunch of people out there that are really big into doing what comes naturally now you all remember stories of the founding of the United States and when they did the Constitution Benjamin Franklin according to this story I don't know what actually happened but written down in the history book so it's kind of a good story Benjamin Franklin comes out of the Independence Hall where they've written the Constitution and they said what kind of government have you given us and he says a republic if you can keep it and I've forgotten who said this again one of the founders that the government we have is designed for a people who is self-disciplined and follows God it is insufficient to govern another kind of people the idea here is the government we have is designed for people who have made the choice not to do what comes naturally but instead to follow the Word of God now if you look at the history of Israel Israel starts off following God and being blessed the next thing they do is they go into idolatry over and over again what is idolatry fundamentally with respect to the knowledge of good and evil making your own rules in other words I want to decide what's good and evil so I'm going to make gods in my own image so that I can do what I want to do instead of what God wants me to do that's what idolatry is doesn't matter whether it's a metal icon or whatever but the idea here is I'm going to make a God in my own image so I get to do what I want to do so the next thing that happens is perversion violence and then exile happens over and over again and again I'm suggesting to you that God gives us those examples so we can see the consequences that flow from choices of eating the tree of the knowledge of good and evil instead of following God in our own society the Catholic Church up until about the 14th or 15th century was an absolute authority they said this is what God says this is how you behave this is what you do then we had the Reformation and what happens was the authority of the church got replaced by scripture tradition and reason anybody ever been in an Episcopal service what are the three stools on which everything they say stands scripture tradition and reason so 
once we've decided to replace the authority of the church with scripture, tradition, and reason, the next thing that happens is scripture gets called into doubt. The next thing that happens is tradition gets attacked. So what are you left with? Reason. That's all we've got left is reason. And what happens then is reason leads you to determine for yourself what's good and evil. We're back at the garden again. So what we have in life today is everything is very, very tightly regulated. I was talking to my wife who just went and visited our son Daniel in Tacoma. And one of the things that they were talking about is they they have this, I guess you'd call it a fair, where everybody brings baby clothes and toys and stuff like that that their children have outgrown. But one of the things that you cannot sell, you cannot sell in such such a venue, is a car seat. You cannot sell it because it might have been involved in an accident. So you cannot buy a used car seat. I mean, how absurd is that? And you look at the bike path in Boulder. Every person riding a bicycle has a helmet on. Little kids on tricycles that can't fall more than six inches if they go over. They've all got helmets on. And what I'm saying is, because we have ceased to govern ourselves according to the Word of God, men step in and govern us with their own rules. But we still have freedom. We have no freedom of action in the world, so where we have freedom now is inside of ourselves and what we believe. How many genders does Facebook have now? Yeah, we're up to like 30 genders, right? Understand that there's only three genders, male, female, and disturbing. Those are the only three genders there are. Yet people insist on the freedom, if you will, to determine what their gender is. And they will just get righteously indignant if you question that choice. Yet, on the other hand, they will absolutely religiously not resell a child safety seat. They will absolutely religiously wear a helmet. They will absolutely religiously do all of these things that the society has put upon them. So they have given up freedom of action in living in exchange for freedom of action in determining what they believe. Now, what does that have to do with the Savior? Everything. Because what you see in history, the history written about Israel in Scripture, the history that we are living through and every generation lives through, is that we are absolutely incapable as a species of doing right by ourselves for any length of time. Individuals maybe. Like, for example, when Israel went into exile, Daniel was a righteous man. And his three companions were righteous men, but they grew up in Babylon because the whole nation went. So there are, in fact, righteous people in every time, every generation, and every place. Individuals can, in fact, make the right choice. Societies over time don't. Because you've got the example of Israel in Scripture. Every possible advantage, every possible thing given to them to allow them to succeed and they don't. The United States, same thing. Every possible advantage given to us, every tool we need to succeed, and look at where we are. We don't even know what bathroom to use anymore. What I'm saying is societies go down, 
individuals may do fine. All of that is by way of saying, as societies, we cannot get this right ourselves for any length of time. Therefore, the only way to make this work long term is to have a Messiah, a Savior, who will come in and be the king, the authority. Because we ourselves, as we set governments up, are not able to make that work over a span of centuries. Societies can make it work for a while, but over time it gradually drifts and you wind up in exile again, or whatever the equivalent is. So, let's talk about the gospel. You've all heard this story before, those of you who have been here for a while. When I first became a believer, and I didn't come to Christ until I was in middle age, I couldn't get anybody who could explain to me what the gospel was. Everybody in church just sort of assumed that everybody knew what it was. And I had Episcopal priests that couldn't define it for me. So whenever I don't understand something, I teach. So I went into it. And it turns out that there are several Gospels. The word is used of several things. So the first thing that you've got is the Gospel of the Kingdom. I'll give you an example. Matthew 4, 23. And he went, he, Yeshua, went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So you got the gospel of the kingdom. What's the gospel of the kingdom? I just described our society where you can't resell a car seat. You can't ride a bicycle without a helmet. You can't speak ill of certain protected people. All of these man-made strictures that are put upon us. I will suggest the gospel of the kingdom is all of those things go away. Anybody grew up in the 40s and 50s? Kids used to just run free. When I was young, my mother flushed me out the front door and said, I will see you at supper. And the reason for that is self-discipline. And because of self-discipline, she could trust that most people in the society would watch out for random children. My wife grew up in a Catholic neighborhood. Her mother was widowed. And any time that she did anything wrong, there were two or three mothers in the neighborhood who would let her mother know, and she knew that people were watching her. You see the change in society. What you had is freedom, which was caused because we had a common internal belief system. What we have now is common strictures on our behavior and all sorts of belief system where nobody believes the same thing anymore. So the gospel of the kingdom is when the Messiah comes and starts running the place, all of these petty regulations that we have now go away. And you have, in fact, freedom. You're free to do pretty much anything you want because your belief system is governed by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so then you can be trusted to look at your car seat and say, this is a perfectly good car seat, and I can give that car seat to this woman over here who needs a car seat. And I don't have to worry about the state saying, oh, it might have been in an accident, and you never know, so you can't sell one of those things. You see the difference? So the gospel of the kingdom is, internally, we have internalized the laws of God, and so externally, we then become free. That's the gospel of the kingdom. Now, we also have the gospel of salvation, eternal life. And that is 
Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 1 Peter 4.17 For it is time for judgment to begin in the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? So the gospel now becomes something to be obeyed. I'm suggesting that the gospel is the Torah. It's the word of God. It's the whole word of God. And what happens with the gospel of salvation is we're going back to the choice that we had in the garden. And we now have access to the tree of life. Remember what happened when we made the wrong choice in the garden? We get these two cherubim put at the entrance of the garden with a flaming sword to prevent us from eating from the tree of life. And, and by the way, this is genealogy. Do with this whatever you like. I am of the opinion that the tree of life is something that has to be regularly eaten as opposed to a one and done. Because there isn't anything that says that they weren't eating of the tree of life before they ate of the wrong tree. So the tree of life is something I believe that you eat of routinely which heals you as you do so. So the idea here of the gospel of salvation is you now have access to the tree of life and you may now freely eat of that tree. But there's a trade. If you are going to be having access to the tree of life, that means that you must give up access to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can't do both. It's one or the other. It's a binary choice. And our ancestors, Adam and Eve, had that choice in front of them, and they chose the knowledge of good and evil, which means they chose to be their own authority which means they chose to follow their animal instincts, which, by the way, is every bit the commandments of God. As I say, your dog or your horse or your chinchilla or whatever, all act in accordance with the Word of God. That's how God designed them back. That's how they behave. They can't do anything else unless somebody trains them to. So if you're going to be in the kingdom and you're going to have access to the tree of life, that means that you must give up access to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In your Sunday Christian's vernacular, what that means is you must make Yeshua your king. That's what making Yeshua your king means. You accept his authority in determining what's right and wrong, and you give up your ability to make those determinations yourself. And just like our ancestors, everybody gets to make that choice. That's why I say this is also a metaphor. Not that it didn't actually happen, but it's a metaphor. And what everyone is presented with is the two trees. And the question everybody gets to answer is, am I going to follow my own desire in determining what's right and wrong, or am I going to follow the king's desire in determining what's right and wrong? And if you decide to follow the king's desire of what's right and wrong, then you get to eat from the tree of life. If you decide the other way, then the way to the tree of life is forever barred to you. It's really simple. That's why the Torah says, choose life. This is all really simple. And people make it really hard. And it all goes back to the garden. Who is going to be your authority? Who is going to determine in your life what's right and wrong? And we see the fruit of those who have chosen to be their own authority. They don't even know what bathroom to use anymore. So, the choice is before you. Choose.
please consider becoming a sponsor. Please visit crimsonthread.com purpose for an explanation of what we're doing and perhaps to become a sponsor. Thank you.